they would be they would be explaining constantly you know when we took the train or the bus to go uh, to a little place in uh, New Madrid where my my relatives were you had to pack a box lunch you know the shoe box lunch you know they just automatically gave you that when the bus stopped at the rest stop you couldn't go to the restroom that uh, you had to go behind a curtain and uh, and use a, what they call a slop jar you know and it was just every facet of your life was geared to racial things so that was their way of protecting you you know if, if they dwelled on it golly that would be too much for a youngster to grow up under you know you couldn't go to the movies you couldn't do this you couldn't sit here and you couldn't go to a nice restaurant you know well you didn't have the money anyway but it was just more or less understood and so they stressed uh, the love and uh, concern and you're a good person you know and I guess to, to kind of shield you from all of these things because it, it would just be overwhelming and uh, so they didn't dwell on those things we all knew we all knew that uh, we couldn't go because of race it didn't make sense but we didn't question we didn't question a lot of things but we we knew that Yeah, when my children started to school, well, see now they were schools were integrated. They went, they moved into, we moved into an integrated neighborhood, and, and that was in North St. Louis. That was uh, 4869 Margareta. We lived there for 35 years. And school, Skull and school, Skull. and right away, uh, when the children transferred to Scullin, the first week this teacher wanted to put my oldest girl back a grade but she didn't even know her hadn't tested her or anything you know just that she came from an all-black school it was she said that she was behind the other students just automatically and my uh, second girl had a, a little buddy that she dearly loved and uh, I think they were in first grade together and Judy came the little girl's name was Judy and everything was Judy, Judy, Judy. And then all of a sudden, uh, Christy came home and asked us what a nigger roll was. And I said, what? And she said, Judy's mom said she couldn't play with me anymore because I was a nigger roll. Nigger roll. You know, she was young. Oh, no, no. She couldn't even pronounce it. You know, she had never heard this term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really began to to be really uncomfortable because now it was my turn as a parent to try to uh, shield my family, shield my children from it, you know. And, that's, and so it was, that was the unpleasant time, trying to help them grow up to be secure, to feel as secure and strong as I was. Did you and Chris sit down we would handle it, yes. The two of us would discuss it together and figure out how we could deal with it with, without hurting them, you know, or without dwelling things. But you had to deal with it because, as I said, they were more open, you know, and uh, they were hitting it head on and the children didn't understand. No, it was more open because they were involved with each other. Right. Right, uh, 
And uh, in the neighborhood, uh, the, the white families almost immediately started to move out of the neighborhood, you know, when we moved in. Um, they didn't wait to see what kind of neighbors you were, you know, they just, when you start moving in, they move out. And within a short period of time, uh, where there were maybe four families on the block, it was all black, the whole, you know, eventually that whole neighborhood became black. And yeah, all black schools. Oh no, not at all. No, they don't they don't no, they see color and and that's it. And um, so this is this is what happens. People what don't you, really get to know you, you know. What made you We wanted to buy a house, and yeah, at the time, the 60s right, uh -huh. we wanted to buy a house, and we had the money to pay down on a house, so you you try to get the best, best value for your money, and you have to go where, you know, it's all dictated according to the realtors, you know, where they take you to, to look at homes. And that was the area that was open to blacks. You couldn't, they, uh, there were no homes available west. Everybody had moved about as far west as they could go. That was, that area was saturated. The south part of the city was a no-no. You could not buy property in the, in South St. Louis. That was understood. That it was, was, it was understood because of the restricted coverage. Right. Was that passed? Well, as I say, a lot of things are gentlemen's agreement. You know, they, legally they can't come out and, and openly do these things. But it's structured so that if you want to buy a house, there's a certain area, you, you know that this is the only area where you can, can buy into, that you can afford to buy into. And so I guess the North St. Louis area was open for blacks to move into and we found the house that we could afford this is what we were looking for a nice neighborhood where we could raise our family and a house uh, where we could afford the the mortgage and uh, so this is where we ended up and uh, it's a two-story house with six rooms had three bedrooms, two car garage. Uh, when we first bought the house, it was very dreary. The, the person that built the house had lived in the house for, well, they built the house and had lived in it all of these years, hadn't done any improvements at all, and just, you know, just lived in it. The lady had broken her leg, I think, and was in a retirement home, and her daughter-in-law was taking care of selling of the house. We were. I mean, to own your own property was a thrill in itself. And Chris and I both have the same type values. We, we love each other very much, and we work very hard to, to try to save to make a down payment on this house. The house only cost $12,000, which was a lot of money for us at the time. So we were delighted, you know, to just to own your own home. And uh, that's what we were focused on. Were you concerned that you were going to run into these 
hadn't really hadn't really thought about it until until the, the first indication was school when we enrolled our, our kids in school and let me tell you something about the school schooling at that time had classrooms galore they had empty classrooms they had two gyms they had uh, two libraries the class size was like 10 to 15 kids hardly any kids at all in the school and um, the tree the yard was lined with trees and grass just beautiful and uh, but as blacks entered the school in the neighborhood they start they cut down the trees they uh, paved over the the grass all of a sudden the classrooms were like 30 and 40 in a classroom where it had been like 10 12 some classrooms had eight students you know and we could just see the change you know in in, in a relaxed calm atmosphere, low class size and everything, the school was just packed. And why they took down uh, the trees and paved over that beautiful yard, I, we never could understand that. And you were a teacher. Well, so I, I wasn't. Mean, you, you knew you mm -hmm. know, more than the average mm -hmm. And we could see, we could see a lot of changes and uh, what that were not for the best. We went to uh, the first mother's club I went to. We had, we went in with a very open mind. And uh, we thought they did too. We thought the white mothers did too. When you say we, you had friends. Friends that had moved into the neighborhood. We were definitely in the minority as far as uh, the blacks were concerned. We were in a mixed neighborhood. And I remember one Christmas party and we said, well, they have, they have really opened up, and we really feel like we, you know, are involved in the community. We were very active, and all of a sudden, the principal came up, and they gave us all some kind of little, little token gift. I mean, fifty cents a dollar at the most, and they closed the mothers' club. This was the this will be the this will be the last official meeting of the mothers' club. And we know that you mothers will start your own club and you do a very good job. And, and we just sat there and we were stunned. They took all the trophies out of the trophy case. They dispersed the, the coffee maker, the, the, all of the coffee service. And, and the mothers just carted all this, this stuff off and left it there. This is the way they just close it, close it down. Left it, you know, as if, as if to say, well, the blacks have come in now, and you can start your own mother's club. These are the these are the hurting things that you face with your kids. That you're just more, you're an adult, and you've 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 been around this stuff for a long time, and still you're shocked. You know, you're just stunned. You know. Did this, you know, I was here. Did this really happen? And why? You know, to to us, the trophies belong to the school. And uh, since those things belong to the mother's club, they should have been passed to the next mother's club, you know. 
I, that was one thing I never did understand. But that, that was a clear picture to me as to how they felt. You know, we knew we had a battle on our hands to protect our kids, you know. As far, if that, if, if that attitude was in the mother's club, then we felt that attitude was probably in the school, you know, as a whole, and the principal as a whole. I would say at the Mother's Club at that particular meeting, about 20, probably about 20. Good group, you know. And we were having the best time, you know. Just what happened? But that had all been planned, you know, ahead of time. And uh, so you, you, you encounter a lot of things like that. And if you're not careful, it will make you very bitter. As a mother, as a woman. Mm -hmm. As a mother and as a woman, I was I was surprised that it took place, and I was hurt that it took place. What does it do to your family? As a woman, you sit there I and think, you're dressed, you uh -huh. got yourself all dressed up to go there, and, and everybody does. I always think sometimes when I look it, we were so shocked, you know, it, it, we really didn't believe it had taken place. And, uh, and and then after we discussed it, and then we became angry, you know. But then we became determined that, okay, we'll start our own mother's club, and we'll do all the things that had been done before so that our children would reap the benefits of the support that the school needed. And here again, uh, you draw from past history and things that happened to you until you determine it's not going to get the better of you. You know, you rise above it and you do what you have to do. Were the fathers part of No, the, the fathers were not a part of the mother's club. No, mm -hmm. I mean, were they a part of the fact Oh, you always... You always go home. You always go home and discuss it with your your spouse in the privacy, you know, where the children can't hear you. And uh, and then it was just a matter of time that uh, you don't know how the families clear out so fast. And you look around, you have an all-black community, you know, with just a just a sprinkling of whites that tried to stay in the in the neighborhood. And in no time at all, then you're back to the same situation before. They they changed principals, and when the new principal came in, he was he was much more open-minded and uh, agreeable, I guess, with with all factions, and more concerned about how the school was run and and how well the students were doing. How were, after that kind of thing and the new principal came in, how, how were you pleased with that school? We were pleased with the school, but the, but you could see the, the physical environment had changed. As I say, you could see uh, instead of one gym they had, to, well, they didn't have the space. The, the school was so crowded with students. And uh, eventually they started busing kids into that school and they built a portable on the outside to contain the kids, you know, in the neighborhood and all. But, uh, so they did that. I mean, 
and the school system did that. The school system did that. They allowed that to happen. And I don't know why they, I can never understand why they cut the trees down and paved over the, the grass. But that I didn't understand. I don't understand until this day. If you pass by there, you say, golly, this is a dreary looking place. But it looked, it looked like a park. Well, it looked like a parkway. Oh, yes, we fought many battles and things over there. And, uh, what, what happens to the anger? What do you do Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if our conditioning from little up to an adult condition you to deal with it until you more or less don't allow yourself to get to the boiling point. I think now the young people don't really know what to do with their anger and so they just explode you know and act out but it's it was a it's been a gradual conditioning you know racial prejudice has a way of just it's with you all the time. You know, you, you've grown up with it. We learn how to deal with it on just a little small day-to-day uh, -day thing until you, I guess it's just, it's not to say, I get angrier now sometimes than I did when I was younger because uh, you keep waiting for things to get, you know, better and you just see that it goes on and on and on. And I'm less patient, I think, now, too. Like uh, the example I gave, you know, at the department store where you know you're next, you know, to be waited on. Are you going to the, my girlfriend, uh, will, uh, she went into uh, Saks. I think I was shopping with her. Well, some store that I don't usually go to. And she loves their shoes. Is it, I think it was Saks. And so once a year, she treats herself to about two pair of really nice shoes that she liked and I went shopping with her and there was no one in the shoe department and we sat there and we were talking and then I noticed I said are you going to buy shoes and she said yes she said but they've passed over us several times she said I'm just waiting for them to come and ask me uh, if I want to be waiting on and I said, well, let's get out of here. And she said, oh, no. She said, they're going to wait on me. And she said, and I'm just going to sit here and wait. But I was, she was very calm. I was ready to, well, to she, leave. She knew why she was there. Mm -hmm. Once, she said, she said, once a year she treats herself to two pair of shoes. So I know I, I'm, I'm not as patient and as I was maybe Is that the younger. Word well, maybe that might not be the word. Or maybe I, I tend to get a little angrier now than I was younger. Well, what would be another word besides? Less tolerant, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, sitting there and waiting, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of it. But she's determined, you know, she, she's, she was determined they were going to wait on her, and I was ready to leave. This is what, what I made the statement earlier. They're more open 
with it. Things years ago were more subtle. I mean, it was there. But uh, I don't remember anyone ever calling me a name. Um, then, but I think I've been called from, you know, since I've been an adult. And uh, and I've had some I've had some teachers to ask me some questions that I just, I was just stunned. I worked with a girl uh, when I first started working at Lexington. I worked at the same school for 26 years. Where is Lexington? Lexington is right at Lexington and Kings Highway. And, uh, and is it still? It's it's a little small school, and it's. Um, it was supposed to have been a temporary facility, but they put up these little uh, two small buildings next to a portable building, and it's still there, still functioning as a as a regular school. It's uh, because I have a list of schools, and I was looking them up last night, and I maybe I missed it, but um, you uh, started teaching in 1964. 1964. Mm -hmm. And. Um, and I worked until I think it really hurt our kids, our black kids. I think it's one of the worst things. I think it could have been a very positive thing as far as education. Now, this is my personal feeling. Uh, they drained, the first thing they did, uh, they drained the schools of, they drained the schools of their some of the best students, some of the best teachers, some of the best equipment. If you had movie projectors and uh, or slide projectors, any good equipment that they had, and you sent it in for repairs, they didn't send you good materials back. They sent you some old beat up stuff. So we were almost afraid to send our good equipment out. They asked me uh, to transfer one of the schools in South St. Louis. They felt I was doing a very good job and I would be doing the Board of Education a favor if I would volunteer to go to to be one of the first black teachers in the all-white school. And I told them no, that if they felt that I was doing a good job, that I needed to stay where I was because these children, you know, needed some strong teachers. And over a period of time, I feel this is what has happened. They have really just drained the, the, the city schools of, of the best. Not all of it, but the teachers that are left are really struggling. 
And we really had a feeling that the white teachers that came in didn't want to really, they didn't want to be there. And we also felt that they didn't have the best interests of the black students either. The ones that I encountered. They didn't have high expectations from, for the children. They didn't make demands from them, you know, that they could do the best work that they could. They made excuses, you know, what do you expect? We didn't accept any excuses because the child came from an uh, abused home or whatever. Home was home, and school was a place where they could be nurtured and you show concern and help that child to develop some skills, you know, to make the same things that made me strong. I was trying to pass on to the children that I encountered. And we didn't find that to be. I mean, they came in, a lot of teachers came in with a lot of gimmicks, a lot of showy things, you know, a lot of art projects. We call it busy work. And uh, this was not good for the kids. I worked with a young girl, and she is as sweet as she could be. She asked me so many crazy questions, I couldn't believe she had, had finished uh, school. She asked me how long I had been married, and I told her, and she said, I never knew black people married that long. And uh, well, the, well, the first time she met me, she said she didn't know I was black. Well, I felt that was a little odd, but she was she wasn't quite sure what I was. She said, and I said, "Oh, come on, girl, <laughs> you know better than that." <laughs> but she was really serious. She said she wanted to know more about black people. Now, this is a young woman who grew up in St. Louis, and I think she was from the far south. Saint south side and she said that she had taught school in, in, in the black neighborhoods for about 10 years but she was the question she would ask it just you know and uh, the kids loved her to death here again the, the rubbing you know and the, these are black children just you know rubbing her and the hair and all but she played, she played with the kids, you know. She uh, she didn't get about the business of educating those kids. And she got into their personal family life, you know, to find out what was going on at home. And But just the, and I have a friend who's a supervisor, and she, she goes into the integrated schools, and she hears a lot, and she'll walk like we're talking here. She'll walk in, you know, and she hears a lot of little knickers this and black this, you know, just... Now, this is now. Oh, this is now. now. This is now. And so I can see the trend that people are saying uh, when kids are bust, you know, they, they don't have that closeness as far as community is concerned because if you go to school outside of your neighborhood, and then when you come back into the community, you don't you don't have that common school tie. You know, some kids are going here, some are going here, and some are going here. And uh, there are a lot of things that they miss. The parents are not able to go to the PTAs and 
the kids aren't able, able to participate in all the club activities because they have to get on the bus and come back to school. And I remember when I apprenticed, before I started teaching, I apprenticed at Booter School. That's in South St. Louis. And I was there a week before I realized there were some black kids in that school. And I said, well, uh, what classes are they in? And they said, well, they're bust in. But those kids arrive a half hour after school had started, and they left a half hour before school closed. And they were placed in little rooms down the hall, around the corner. And it wasn't until... You mean they had their separate room? Yeah, they had their own room. They were not mixed in with the regular classes. They came in with teacher and class, and they were assigned to a room in the school building. And this was Booter. This was Booter well, School. Also, um, this first gentleman that I Mm -hmm. That's he was a teacher that brought children from I'm not sure which school he mm -hmm. brought them from, but they went to Mason School. Okay. And it was the same thing. They had their separate classrooms. Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything about the um, you know, leaving earlier. Well, this was this was all oh, this was when I printed, so this was probably sixty three. No thank you. This was probably sixty three and my girlfriend apprenticed at oh I can't think of the school. But we were the first black teachers to apprentice in an all white school. You had to spend part of your apprentice time in an all-black school, and then you had to spend a month to six weeks in an all-white school. And we were more or less guinea pigs, I guess, at that time. And I remember the first day I went to Booter School, I took the bus, went over King's Highway, and got off at, uh, can't think of the street, but as I wa I had two blocks to walk from the bus line to the school and the ladies came out and shook their rugs you know I, you know <laughs> all along the way and when I, I got there about 7.30 that morning I said well I'll go early so I can kind of walk around look at the school when I opened the door and looked up the stairway I had a, uh, a group of teachers that had also come early to receive me and they took me in this room, and they had a lot of questions to ask, you know, and all. And, and, uh, and then finally the principal came in. And so when the bell rang, I thought he was going to take me to the teacher that I was supposed to apprentice with. And he said, see those teachers down the hall? And I said, yes. He said, well, you go down the hall and introduce yourself. One of those will be your your teacher. Now, now this, is, this is my adult life that I'm running into this kind of racial thing, you know. And so uh, 
she took me in the class. I introduced myself, and I told her who I was and why I was there. And so I think there were about four of them. So she said, well, you are assigned to me. And then it was Pat. When it's a So she says, um, we're almost finished with our our studies. So she said, and see those library books over there? She said, I want you to straighten those out and put them in the case. This was my first day. So I said, okay, no problem. She didn't have she didn't have any teaching tasks. No, no. But we had been we had been instructed that we were the guinea pigs, so to speak. And um, that we might encounter some some problems. Uh, what was she called? The apprenticeship coordinator. Now, was she black or white? Uh, we had black and white. Let's see. This was Harris Stowe. Did they do it together, or did? In other words, they did it together. We had a class that was called classroom management. And so there were black and white students because the whites had to go to an all-black school for their turn, too. So the things that were said would apply to, to both. So, mm -hmm. okay. Right. And so this was my first day. Well, that was so a compliment I, in a way to be picked, wasn't it? Well, we all, we all had to apprentice. Oh, we all had to. Everybody had to apprentice. I mean, to graduate, you had to serve an apprenticeship. And... Uh, so I ate lunch with them, and then it was during one of the lunch periods that I discovered there were some black classes and some black teachers. And uh, so, of course, they said, well, eat with us. They were down in the basement eating somewhere with the, with the uh, custodian. They didn't eat in the nice, um, that was it. That was because they wanted to do that. No one made them eat down there. They said, why don't you eat with us? And I said, oh, no. I said, I've been assigned as an apprentice, and I'm going to eat with the faculty. I said, why don't you join me? And, oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. So each day, uh, I would join the group along with the instructor that I had been assigned to, had a nice lunch, and then I would excuse myself. And I said, well, I think I'll walk around the facility. And I got to really see the school that had everything down there. And I enjoyed walking around the school and all. Plus, it was a little break. I could get out from under the stress and everything for a little while. And uh, eventually, she let me teach some classes. She had to because she had to grade me on instruction and all. And the children started to warm up. And they would slip me little notes, you know, that said, that said uh, to the point, you know, dear teacher, we like you, we're happy you came to the school, and, you know, things like that, that children, typical things that children would say. But it was always, it was never out in the open, they would put it in my hand or, you know, or, or something. I learned a lot from the instructor. She was a very good teacher. I respected her uh, a lot. And, uh, I would consider that a positive experience, but it was a stressful experience. Did she, and, excuse me, did this, this inequality that you felt of mm -hmm. 
Do you think that that would have, she might have done that to anybody? Or, I mean, was, is it possible? I don't know. She, she might have. I don't know, but uh, some of the other girls really caught it. They were asked to wash lingerie and to comb the black kids' hair. And <laughs> what? Wait. At the other schools where they apprenticed. You mean the white? No, the teachers? black, the white, the white teachers would ask some of the black teachers to rinse out some of their things, their undies. <laughs> Why do they even have them at school? I can't believe. I mean, I believe. I, it's some some things were unbelievable. Did they do it? Oh heck, no, they didn't do it. And uh, and they would ask her, they would ask her uh, to braid, uh, take uh, Susie Collins on down the hall and wash her face and comb her hair. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean anything and everything, but. Uh, and I don't know if this person asked this particular girl to wash out some things for her, if she was serious or if it was a joke or what, you know. But a lot of things happen like that. Now, what, what did you do with that kind of stuff? I mean, what did, did we went back to the... It, we went back and discussed it because some of, the, some of the whites were just shocked. They said they received the best treatment when they went into the black schools. You know, anything they asked for and they didn't encounter any racial prejudice, you know, any unpleasantness. They couldn't understand, you know, why we were having uh, these experiences. And so we said, what the heck, it'll only be for uh, a short time and we can get through with this. We can get through this. We're going to get through this. We're not going to let anything stop us. And we just... It was just, it, it, some some things happen, and you're so shocked when they happen. You know, you don't, you can't really get it through your head. But the black students and teachers who were in the school at the time chose to eat in the basement of the custodian. Not the students, the teachers. Oh, the teachers. Mm -hmm. The students ate where? The students ate with white students in the, in the cafeteria and they played that was the funniest thing they played together they had the same lunch and the same recess mm -hmm. and so uh, they ate together and they played together and they played well together. that's what this other gentleman said mm -hmm. was Mason, but he gave the credit for that um, to the principal he thought that the white principal was just an outstanding person well that's who really sets the tone uh huh and um, mm -hmm. so maybe it was well, that's surprising when they face up the tongue and it didn't get down into the other parts of the Well, I'm surprised that those teachers sort of didn't stick to their black students in their lunchroom. Well, even when we ate, we didn't eat with the students. The yeah. students ate in the lunchroom. But the circumstances I guess they support each other. There were only about four or five uh, rooms there. And uh, and this is where they, instead of going to the teacher's lounge, they decided they would eat together with the custodian. Oh. See, the, the, the students, the no, oh, the, okay. the teachers don't normally eat in the lunchroom. When they're in the lunchroom, they're usually doing lunchroom duty. I see. You know, I see. 
So this was their time away from the students. Well, I'm glad if I sound like I'm asking No, I understand. Uh -huh. it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm learning, so I'm glad No, the teachers, me. they could have very easy have eaten in the teacher's lounge with the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were just, they just didn't care to be, I guess, involved with the white. Mm -hmm. They were uncomfortable, so that's where they, and they wanted me to join them. And I said, I couldn't do that. Well, this was a, a, a project and a new program, and I couldn't do that, you know. And at the end of the period, uh, I was better off for it, and they were better off for it, because uh, I did what I was supposed to do. And they, they, uh, they, they had some positive things to say. Right, and they had some positive things to say, uh, and the instructor that I was assigned to, she she said that she uh, she did appreciate me not isolating myself, you know, and that uh, she enjoyed working with me, and I t complimented her and told her how many of her techniques I had uh, would try and how much I had learned, you know, and so we parted. Uh, friends, but on the way home, all the way home, I was driving and <laughs> I was happy that experience was over because it was very stressful. But now, I'm going to say this, and even today, and with this integrated situation, I have a, I know of a girl that has a daughter that attends Ladue School, school district, and she had to go over for a conference. And her she took her daughter over to the school, and the daughter said, "We can't go in now. Say it's not time. Say when we ride the bus, we have to wait until say 8:15. I don't know exactly what the time is." And the mother says, "But I have to get to work." And she said, "And uh, we need to go in now and see your teacher so I can leave and go to work." And she said, when she went in the building. The building was full of kids, and but there were no black kids. The black kids that had had come were still on the bus. She said, when the when the bus arrived, she found out that what had happened that they keep the black kids on the bus until say ten or fifteen minutes. And she said that the, all the whites were inside. I said, are you sure? And she claims this this happened out in Ladue. This has been, see, within the last six months. They keep them out on purpose? This is the way she, this is what she's thinking. So they sit on the bus a little bit longer? That's, this is what she said. So now, I don't know. There are all kinds of, the principles. Understandings, not to say that that isn't what's happening, mm -hmm. but. Well, it's. Uh, People really, like you said, people really need to find out what's going on because it takes a little thing like that, you know, just a small thing that can make people angry or upset about something. You well, know. when I was at the store, I was going to tell you um, about this other interview. This woman mm -hmm. told me that touching and when she was a little girl, they Mm -hmm. They were one of the, 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 the 
you saw that was on television not too long ago where they had done a, uh, an experiment and they had all the black dolls and all the white dolls. Oh, Mr. Clark from years ago. And is this, is this the one from the 30s? I'm not sure. And um, then they asked to pick the pretty, mm -hmm. pick the pretty doll, yeah. Uh, and all of the children always pick the white Okay, all right, well, there was a feeling in the black community, and you could hear children. Uh, I, I guess this is the way they perceive white as being richer, better, you know, prettier. So if you had straight hair, that was always good hair, you know, or... Uh, so I can I can kind of understand that, and uh, probably I know I have a friend who who uh, said that she would always see she that she was raised in Arkansas, and they, she lived on the farm, and she said she would always see the pretty dolls, white dolls with the pretty curls, and she would always notice the white families when they drove in the truck, you know, past. The girl's hair would always blow in the breeze, you know. And she said quite innocently one day, uh, she said that in front of her mother, that she wished her wished she was white. And she didn't really mean she wished that she was white color. color. She wanted her hair to blow in the breeze. And she said, and her mother really sat her down that day and talk to her long and hard, you know. So 
So they, they they want re, they keep reinforcing that the that, that what you have is is good right. is is uh, a, a good crop. I mean, as a mother, yeah, because if if you ever notice, and Chris and I have talked about this about the color black denotes bad, mean, you know, like the cowboys would always wear the black hats. Mm -hmm. The bad guy would wear the black hats and ride the black horse. And, and uh, so it can do a lot of damage, it can do a lot of damage to children. But parents, I thought parents were pretty, as I look back, I thought parents were pretty wise and pretty smart that they were able to come up with so many unique answers that children could accept and understand and live with and come away feeling good about themselves. I think, Ernestine, what you just said is what drew me into this in the first mm -hmm. place. And I'm quoting Mary Yes. Who said, and I have it written down mm -hmm. here, and this was in the 88, I think, or 89. Mm -hmm. I think it was marvelous the way our parents 